laborer, with the mindset of a laborer, to serve as sons with you, eternal King. We receive this heart and put aside every mindset of the hireling. Breathe on us, O Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Please sit down. I thank God for the privilege of sharing with us today. We are looking at laborers in the vineyard under the theme, Be strong and never be discouraged. There will be reward for your work. Today, the burden of the word from this lectern is who is a laborer. And as we get through, compare yourself. Don't compare me. Compare yourself. Don't compare your wife. Compare yourself with the picture the Holy Ghost is giving you of a laborer. Not a visitor. Amen? Not a fan. You know, we, with apologies to those who preferred Arsenal, we saw how Arsenal lost and uh, Man City got the third title. The fans cried, but were they the laborers? No, they were not. Hallelujah. They were not the laborers. So we're not looking at those who are cheering from the stands, who set aside their time and gather to watch. We're not looking at that. We're not looking at an admirer, but we're looking at who? A laborer. And a woman who is in labor gives us that picture. We need to look at that picture because the kingdom of heaven is like a master who's a uh, master of a house who went out early to hire laborers not fans not admirers he went to hire who laborers and the lord jesus said something categorically the harvest truly is what Truly is what? Few. Moderate. The harvest truly is what? Plenteous. But the laborers are? So if we see plenty harvests, it means that we have laborers. But if we have little harvest, it means we have what? Little laborers. Except if Jesus is wrong. But is Jesus wrong? No. So I need to look at myself and see if I am a laborer. You know, a woman in labor is an example. She has the task of bringing the baby into this world. People will help her. There will be a midwife. Her loving husband will be there. Is that not true? Huh? But who is in labor? It is she that her life is on the line. I've not known a person as vulnerable as a woman in labor. Very vulnerable. That's the time I guess most strong young women die. But why do we say she's in labor and others are not in labor? I'll tell you. As the doctor who comes to attend to the woman that is in labor, if I get an injury whilst doing the work, I will call my colleague and say, I have sustained a cut. Take over. I love her. But I can't continue. 
as the dear midwife who is supportive nay your child is coming nay do it well nay be careful when my shift is over what will i do i'll hand over to another loving capable person and say this woman is in stage three of labor she's well dilated continue the good work and the person will move aside somebody can't go until the baby is born who is that person the woman can go the husband can go and do some other things can do some arrangements if the whole episode is too much for him what will the midwife say okay oversight but if it is too much for the woman what would they say nay your baby is here you can't stop women are we listening are we talking something that's why you are the one in labor because under no circumstance can you give up even if war has broken out and there is shooting and Boko Haram is one's head is on perineum what would they tell you push bullets are flying around but the head is on the perineum the woman can't even walk that's why she's the one in labor until the baby comes down she's going nowhere nothing else matters and you know when she's in labor at a point she begins to bleed hello is there any labor that brings forth a child without the woman bleeding even if it is by caesarean section when she's bleeding she's not saying ah i'm bleeding what is she saying baby come forth but if i as the doctor start to bleed when i'm doing a work i say mm -mm, this work has to stop let me go and treat myself even when it is an urgent task you see why i'm not in labor but the woman is in labor. Are you a laborer? Are you in labor? Or you take shifts for the kingdom of God? Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. Are we just talking? Or is that what the word of God says? My dear children once again just like a mother in childbirth i feel the same kind of pain for you until christ's nature is formed in you my little children of whom again i am in labor is until in your bible is until in your bible is until in your bible that's why it's labor we can't go out galatians 4 19 we can't stop we can't take shifts we continue until first the baby is born and we continue in labor until christ is formed so if we are not seeing a big harvest the problem is that we are not seeing laborers. We have a lot of admirers. We have a lot of people cheering us on. But we don't have many laborers. A woman in labor does not stop. A woman in labor does not go aside. A woman in labor persistently goes on until the baby comes down except if she's not in labor you know there's something called braxton hicks 
The midwives will come, check you, check you, check you. They say, you're not in labor. Go home. But when you have established that she's in labor, there is no going home until. Hallelujah. Some of you may have been told you are not fit for this job. That you don't have the personality for the assignment. And you have heard from one source or the other. You've been mocked. And your heart is bleeding. Your emotions are traumatized. But if you are in labor, when you are bleeding, what do you do? You go on. If you quit because your heart is bleeding, sorry, you are not in labor. Hallelujah. Matthew 9.37 Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. How do I know a laborer? 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 15 how do I know a laborer? I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanas, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I have had as a patient someone that is a pentazosin addict. Pentazosin is a drug that we use to kill pain. And people who have sickle cell anemia and some other conditions sometimes pick it over the counter and keep giving it to themselves. When this patient became addicted, the patient kept giving the drug into the arm until the arm started having ulcers. The patient didn't stop. I have met a patient who continued one arm, the other arm, the patient continued. The need for the drug exceeded the person's care for the body. It is so common that amongst us surgeons, we have said it, that once you see this, this is an addict. And one day I met such a patient. Three minutes, I said to my colleague, attend to this patient. Do not give opiates. Do not give opiates. What did I say? Do not give opiates. The patient left that institution. You know I serve two institutions. So I won't tell you the one he left. But he met me in the other. But when he met me in the other, he didn't meet me first. He met my residents. And when my resident presented the patient, I smiled. And the patient by that time now opened up and said, I have been abusing this drug. I said, what was it that I said to that doctor when you appeared and ran away? Why am I saying this? It is a reality that an addict is more concerned about the thing he's addicted to than his very life. We have had to amputate one such patient before the patient stopped. Are you an addict to the work of God? You know the household of Stephanas that they have addicted themselves to the work of the kingdom. That's why we're not seeing the harvests.
because we have not seen deliver us. John chapter 4 verse 6. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, weary as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me to drink. Was Jesus weary? Huh? But when he saw an opportunity to save his soul, did he succumb to weariness? He got up. Physical tiredness will not make him throw away an opportunity to minister to a needy soul. Am I a laborer? Philippians chapter 2. Pardon my speed. We need to be mindful of time. Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 to 30. This may raise a bit of controversy, but it is the word of God. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near death. But God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again. And that I might be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. And honor such men. For he nearly died. For the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service for me. Did they say caution such men? Did they say restrain such men? What did the Bible say? Honor such men. Are you a laborer? church. Or saw some more abony in your lol. Emigon Kebunkem, Hapuzek and Dozumezenkefa. He saw what was lacking. He risked his life. And the mandate of Scripture is honor such men. Oh. I have no one like him, Philippians 2, 20-21, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. But they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. You know, there is this widow whose husband labored faithfully in First Kings chapter 4. And as she continued to walk with her husband, the husband died in death. And creditors came to sell her son. Some people will look at that as gross unfaithfulness in the part of God and a reason to stop working. But that woman, as a widow, went back to Elisha and said, You know that my husband feared the Lord. She pushed on until the Lord brought that which came. Do you know Paul? In Galatians, he said, You know it was on account of an ill health that I preached the gospel to you at first. I know a venerable. He was on admission at National Orthopedic Hospital. He had a wound that was not healing well. And it was a burden for him. And we were discussing the matter. But you know, God 
placed a Muslim as his bedmate who had kind of been abandoned and that venerable shared the gospel with the Muslim after the Muslim gave his life to Christ that would heal The Muslim was my patient, so I know what I'm talking about. He didn't allow the theological confusion of God not allowing me to be healed when I have served him faithfully to keep him from ministering. Some of us have argued with God and hung up our ministerial portfolio. You are not a laborer. You are not a laborer. Acts chapter 14 from verse 1 to 3. Now at Aconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they ran away because they were poisoned. The Bible says, So they remained a long time, speaking timidly, speaking timidly, speaking timidly, speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the work of his grace granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands it seems to me that the signs and wonders waited for the poison of the minds and their boldness before coming maybe that is why we are not seeing some signs and wonders Acts 21, 10-14 While we were staying many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we seized and said, Let the will of the Lord it all. In Acts 20, 20-24, before Agabus came, he reported, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only i may finish my course and the ministry that i receive from the lord jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of god sometime last year i think i had shared with us about a brother i didn't give you his name i had shared with you that as a missionary he has been diabetic and uh, despite the diabetic issue he had continued to serve the lord and i had shared with you that at a point in the post where he was he became ill and yet he continued that brother in that his outpost developed gangrene on one of his toes every surgeon knows 
what danger that is. Every surgeon understands that that is grave danger. Brother had amputation and he's still in the field. I haven't gone that far. He's still in the field. He's married with grown-up children. Responsibilities. He has not abandoned his wife. That would be unchristian. He has not abandoned his children. But his health challenge has not kept him from the work of the ministry. I know of others who are also facing challenges that as a physician I would tell them it's okay, do some other aspect of work in the house of God. But they are saying this is what I have been called to do. And they're soldiering on. And the Lord is sustaining them. Sustaining these people. Sustaining their families. Sustaining their education. Hallelujah. Perhaps you know about T.L. Osborne, the great evangelist. He came to Enugu in 1975. Remember? Do you also know that at a point in T.L. Osborne's service, his only son died. And it was a big blow. Thank God for godly women. The wife encouraged him. And T.L. Osborne did not stop ministering because his son died. Please look at your neighbor in the eye and say, Are you a laborer? Or are you an admirer? If we see a plenteous harvest, it is because we have laborers. I want you to talk to God just now and say, Father, make me a laborer. Hold hands with somebody as you say, Father, make me a laborer. Father, make me a laborer. Father, make me a laborer. Father, give me the heart that labors until the child comes forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeah, that was our introduction. We're going to finish on time. The drama depicted three sets of people. And I encourage you to read that scripture uh, and pay particular attention to verse 7. And in Matthew chapter 20 verse 7, you will notice that there was no talk about pay for the 11th hour person. The first set of people, they agreed for money before the work. Their number one priority was the money. Then the work. That's the order. And the second set of people, they agreed to do the work and they will get anything that was good. But the 11th hour people said, Lord, I'm laboring for you because I have been idle all day. I'm laboring for you because my life has been worthless, useless, spent on every other thing else. Oh, that you would put me into your labor. How many years did Samson work as a judge for Israel. How many years? 20 years. But the scripture records that in the day he said, let me die. He slew more Philistines in that one day. 
see, God is not unrighteous. I've been a Christian for more than 40 years. But a child of God who has been serving him for three years may well have been serving him much more than I who have been serving him for 40 years. God is not unrighteous. God is far more generous than my negotiation skills. You want to negotiate with God. If I'm going to do this work, if I'm going to give this amount, God, you must give this to me. God owes no man. They all got what they were supposed to get. A denarius is the appropriate pay for a day's work. Negotiate with God, you will get your due. Throw yourself at God and you will see that God is far more generous than you could ever imagine. Oh, I know of missionaries, full-time missionaries who won't open their mouths to tell you about their needs and the thing that God is doing with their children and the five-year visa to the United States that God is giving them. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is far more benevolent than you can understand. Don't negotiate with God. Pour your life at His feet. Hallelujah. If you are going to be a laborer, you will labor in prayer. Colossians 4.12 Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluted you, always laboring fervently for you in prayer, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And again, that principle of laboring until is true. Because Isaiah 62, verse 6 to 8 says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night, they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest. Complete the scripture. Until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise on the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm. I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies. And foreigners shall not drink your wine for which you have when you labor in prayer you will continue to pray when you are praying for Nigeria as a laborer in prayers you will continue to pray you will see election results you will continue to pray you will see somebody swarming you will continue to pray and you will pray on Till God establishes Jerusalem as a praise. Is that not what Elijah did? First Kings 18. Let's read from verse 41 to 44. Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing rain. You speak by faith. Ahab went up to eat and drink. Not so Elijah. Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees and he said to his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again, seven times. And at the seventh time he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. He had given the word of faith. The king, believing him, had gone to eat and drink. But he continued steadfastly in prayer until the manifestation 
of the cloud. Are you laboring in prayers? Don't stop now. Have you sent people out six times and they come back with the report, there is nothing? Even when you have sent them out a complete number of times, labor on in prayers. God is watching over his word to perform it. And God's word is immutable. That's what God said in prophecy today. God's word cannot but come to pass. Hold on to it. Hallelujah. Don't be like the rich young ruler. He had said to Jesus, Good master. And when this good master now said to him, Go, sell all that you have. He didn't know that he was still a good master. Because if he still knew he was a good master, he would have uh, sold it. Do you know that Jesus allowed that man to walk away? Peter said, ah, he's walking away. What of us now? Jesus said, don't worry. You receive a hundredfold. But Jesus didn't tell the man, shh, don't go away. There's hundredfold for you. You need to have the heart of giving Jesus all. Hallelujah. Ask God to make you a laborer in his vineyard. Serve with the mindset of gratitude. Not with the mindset of, what am I going to get? Serve with the mindset of, oh, that my life is counting for the kingdom, for eternity. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you. Do you know that the scripture says that the Macedonians considered the ministry to the saints as a privilege? Do you know it's a privilege to do anything in the kingdom of God? Because David had the plans. David had the designs. David had all the silver and the gold and the bronze. God says, sorry, you are not going to build this temple. It's a privilege. A privilege to serve. A privilege to be a laborer. Don't look at it as though you are being stretched, drawn out. Of what use is my life if it's not poured out in the kingdom of heaven? You marry, you have children, you die. The man who walked with God also married, also had children. And he walked with God. Labor out of love, not for human thanks. 1 Peter 5.2 Take care of the group of people you are responsible for. They are God's flock. Watch over that flock because you want to. Not because you are forced to do it. That's how God wants it. Do it because you are happy to serve. Not because you want money. Not because you want the perks and the privileges. Hallelujah. And that labor must come from love. First Thessalonians 1.3 says, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know the labor of love? Do you remember Jacob? How he labored for Rachel? How many years did he labor? He, was, he labored seven years. Okay? Actually, at the end of the day, it was 14 years. And the scripture says that that seven years was like seven days. 
But watch the description of that labor. He said, my sleep went from me. I was in hunger. Anything that was missing, you required it from my hand. But it was like seven days. Why? Anytime he looks at Rachel's face, he says, this is going to be mine. Can we look at the face of the Lord Jesus and consider it a privilege? Whatever stresses, strains, challenges, difficulties that we go through. Well, there are some other characteristics of a laborer we need to look at. A laborer isn't rash. A laborer in the kingdom is not what? Rash. Look at Nehemiah and the way he labored. I came to Jerusalem, chapter 2, verse 11, and was there three days. I arose in the night, I and few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do in Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates were consumed with fire. And the gates consumed with fire. In chapter 5, verse 6 to 7, when he was faced with the charges against the rich, he didn't rush. The scripture says, after thinking it over carefully, I accused the nobles and the officials openly. As a laborer, let's not be rash. Let's evaluate the work before us. Let's evaluate the evidence that is given to us about people before we take action. Let's think things through. Amen? Let's also take note that a laborer is focused and undistracted. Can we say focused and undistracted? Again? Yeah. I want to give us an example of Esther. You see, in Esther chapter 4, verse 8, Esther was shown what was the problem and asked to beg the king's favor and plead with him for the people of the Jews. Let me read it because it's important. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. So what was her job description? Beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of the people. Do we agree that that was her job description? Huh? Do you know that when she went about to do her job, that the first thing the king says to her is, Esther, what is your request? What is your plea? Even to the half of my kingdom, I will give it to you. How many times did this king say this? Three times. Three times Esther is given an open check. You know that Esther may have had other rival women in the harem she may have wanted to deal with. The king didn't ask for her for 30 days. Some other person probably was taking his attention. Esther remained what? Focused. In chapter 8, verse 1 to 3, Ahasuerus gave Esther the house of Haman. Mordecai came before the king. Esther had told what he was to her. 
And the king took off his signet ring which he had given to Haman and gave it to Mordecai. Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Mission accomplished? By no means. By no means. Verse 3. Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman the Agagite. With the wealth transfer to Mordecai, with the recognition of Mordecai, the plot to kill the Jews would have still gone forward. Oh, let's not play what the devil says. You know, the king of Sodom said to Abram, You keep the goods and give me the men. So many times Satan says to us, Keep the wealth and give me the men. But Esther knew that my job description is not the death of my enemy. My job description is not the recognition of my uncle Mordecai. My job description is the life of the Jews. Saint, why have you forgotten that your job description is the life of unbelievers? Why have you forgotten that your job description is that that person who is hurting your family, God wants him to be born again? Why have you forgotten that what God has set us for is that souls might be saved? The righteous judgment upon them is not my job description. My job description is that they might be saved. So if they are judged, my job isn't done. If wealth has come to me, my job isn't done. And my prayers cannot end. My prayers will continue until salvation bursts forth and souls have come into the kingdom. Hallelujah. Someone has hurt your family. Are you seeking vengeance? A dear brother, dear brother, when he, he was a clergyman, and that's as far as I will go, so that I don't reveal his identity. He had finished his work and his retirement fund of 50 million naira was embezzled by someone close by him. 50 million naira. And he let the man go. His first daughter said to him, Daddy, how can you do that? He smiled. After a while, when there was that fellowship in family, he called his daughter and said to her, You see this thing that you are enjoying, this fellowship, this thing? That and my 50 million naira, which one is more? Oh, your rights are your rights. What did I say? They are your rights. And no one can take your rights from you. But you see, when rights and responsibilities clash, God help you to pick responsibilities ahead of your rights in Jesus' name. You know, that's how a woman knows that her husband loves her. When his rights come up, and because of some challenge, 
she's incapacitated giving him those rights and he turns around and says to her Nem, and puts his rights aside he sends an eternal message to her this man loves me I want you to know that the laborer is not distracted the utopian eunuch was a minister of finance and we know from what Peter said silver and gold have I none that the, the, the disciples didn't have that much money the angel told Philip go along this road the Holy Spirit said to Philip stay near this chariot go and read in your Bible none of them said preach to the eunuch but once he met the eunuch he knew that this opportunity is for the kingdom some of us are meeting people God has arranged for us to meet with and we're remembering that we don't have a job and the person says what can I do for you I say sir I don't have a job but you could have said sir I want you to come for this full gospel dinner if you want to say thank you to me is that all you want me to do? Yes, sir. Just come for this dinner. Are you sure that's all you want me to do? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Amen. We talked about rights and privileges. Nehemiah 14 to 9, Nehemiah 5, 14 to 19. For you to see that the Pauline principle was also in the Old Testament. From the time I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them for their daily ration 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. I also persevered in the work on this wall, and we acquired no land, and all my servants were gathered there for the work. Moreover, there were at my table a hundred and fifty men, Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Hallelujah. Yet, for all of this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor because the service was too heavy for these people. Remember for my good, O oh God, all that I have done for these people. Hallelujah. Paul said, if you read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, God has given it to those who preach the gospel to live by the gospel but I have not demanded these rights nor am I writing to you so that I will get those rights in fact I would rather die than somebody make my boasting void I don't want to abuse my rights in the gospel because of the peculiar nature of the Corinthian church. With the Philippians, it wasn't like that. A laborer values his responsibilities above his rights. And he's not distracted by that pursuit of give me my right, give me my right. I'm a priest, I'm a priest, give me my right. His heart is on getting the things done. Hallelujah. So, 
As we begin to round up, we want you to note a few things. The priority of the laborer as we round up. Let's get to that Acts chapter 20, verse 24. I want us to read it together. Are we there? Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Let's go. However, I consider my life worth nothing to do. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. How many aims does he have? One aim. But that one aim is broken into two. Do you see it? Is to do what? Finish the race and complete the task. Did you see it there? Please check your Bible very well. Is there anybody in whose Bible complete the task comes before finishing the race? Anybody? You see, in life, there are two things. The race and the task. The race always comes before the task. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, says First Timothy 4.16. Persist in doing this. For by so doing you will save yourself and those that hear you. Marriage. Your marital responsibility is your first ministry. And therefore comes first before the ministry. God will not break any marriage on the altar of ministry. The race... And then the task. So in conclusion, we will talk about Eliashib. In Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 1, whose name do you see there? Eliashib. The high priest with his brothers. They built the sheep gates. They take the lead. They are known. They are seen. And after they do their bit, we see others doing their bit. Hallelujah. But in Nehemiah chapter 38, in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 38, you see, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing. Our leaders, our descendants of Levi, our priests, put their seals on it. And then look at those who put their seals on it. Nehemiah the governor, the son of Hakaliah, Zedekiah, that's in the next chapter. Okay? Seraiah, Azariah, Jeremiah, Pasho, Amariah, Malkijah. Is Eliashib's name on this list? Can you see the high priest's name on this list? So when it comes to donating money to Chapel of His Resurrection, you are number one. But when it comes to ratifying your life to live by the word of God, God forbid that you are missing on that list. Eliashib, on the other hand, was found somewhere. You see, don't be a champion of physical structures only. First to bring money. First to build projects. Oh, we have a project for the vicarage. First to donate for that. No. I desire not yours. I desire you. Choir, I don't want your voice. I want your souls. Hallelujah. 
I don't need your money. I need your soul to be submitted to Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 14 I'm ready to visit you for a third time and I will not bother you for help. I do not want your things but rather you yourselves. Children should not have to support their parents but parents the children. Back to Eliashib. Where do you see his name? Chapter 13 verse 4 and 5 Eliashib the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of God, was related to Tobiah, prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offering, the frankincense, the vessels, the tithes of grain, the wine and oil, which were given by commandments to the Levites. Eliashib is giving it to Tobiah, the enemy of the Jews. And in chapter 13, verse 28, one of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was son-in-law of Sambalat the Horonite. We don't want your money when your life is contrary to the word of God. We want your life to follow the word of God. Then you may give your money. We don't want yours. We want you. That's the laborer. The person who runs the race and finishes the task. So where will you labor? In your immediate vicinity, your yard, where you spend most of your time. In Nehemiah 3 verse 10, we see next to them, Jedah, the son of Harumath, repaired opposite his house. Hattush, the son of Hashabiah, repaired. And then verse 23, Benjamin and Hashub repaired opposite their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Maseah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. Labor in prayers in your vicinity. Labor in prayers where you live. Labor in bringing souls where you walk. Start there. And as it pleases the Lord to do more, He will do. Let us pray. Tell God, thrust me forth out as a laborer. Let my joy be that, oh, God has seen it fit to trust me to serve him. Oh, God has done me well to ask me to be involved in his service. My life will not be useless. Oh, Father, thank you for the privilege, the privilege of serving your saints. My life has been useless pursuing passions pursuing things that could not last but God make me a laborer let that be your passion let that be your cry in Jesus name we pray our Heavenly Father and our God, we thank you for once again to be impacted by your word, to remind us of our, the essence of our existence here. Father, thank you for the knowledge you've given us. Thank you for the salvation you brought to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, may our call to duty not be our greatest undoing in Jesus' name. Father, strengthen us even as we level, that we will level to the end. For the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray.